patience with Dave Kenshin. Next, don't forget to party. And now, a show on the go. We are talking metal in a car, which is made of metal. That's right. Uh, yes, your Rock and Roll Station continues yes! the grand excursion moving right along. Dave Kinchin here with the Vinyl Master Shane, Emerald hey! Shane. Hey. And uh, boy, we are still on a high from our interview with legendary Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett and uh, of course GTR, his incredible solo work. Dude. Amazing guy. Just amazing a, interview. Yeah, just an amazing time, right? Really in, enjoy talking to him. I uh, would love to continue. Oh. Uh, it was kind of like one of those deals where we, yep. we were on the junket. Yep. And uh, he, he, really, he, was general, yeah. he was generally interested that he, he wanted to keep talking, but yep. he had, he had to, to keep it moving, yeah. And it was late over there. It was in the evening. He was doing interviews, yeah. I think, all day. Back to back and to back. back to back. Yeah, we got a little bit in. You know, great question uh, from you about Peter Green. We talked a little bit about Genesis, some solo stuff, and. Uh, just, uh, you know, John Lennon liking Genesis at yeah. that time and, and yeah. uh, his reaction, which was really <laughs> funny. We don't want to give it away, but... <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, yeah. Uh, just, a, he's, he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't checked out his book... That's right. A Genesis in My Bed. It's yeah. just, it's a, it's an easy, delightful read. It reads, yeah. you said it reads like what? Well, his like descriptions just drip off the page. Yeah, you said it, like poetry. It was yeah, beautiful. It, it yeah. is like poetry and uh, just the post-war... England, mm -hmm. growing up as a kid, uh, he talked about some of that stuff, and uh, probably in part two. Yep. Uh, just uh, you see where Genesis came from, mm -hmm. and you see where, where a lot of these these prog bands come from, right? And why they did what they did, mm -hmm. and uh, that was really uh, to me. I found that really fascinating. I don't know. And yeah, because no, J.R.R. Yeah, yeah. Tolkien was like that, mm -hmm. and uh, but that was World War One, right? And 
he he was scarred from that experience, mm. and he came back and he kind of um, submerged his life in fantasy to avoid the realities that he faced right. during that time. Yeah, it was, and and here these guys are writing in such imaginative form musically. Yeah. Um, do you think I was always interesting interested in um, the sort of growing up in that war environment, um, or maybe some years after, with a lot of the metal guys, Priest and you know British Steel, the whole thing. Right. Do you th- is it different how they sort of you think that they felt some of the prog people versus the more metal bands, New Wave with British heavy metal groups? Do you think that they um, they felt some of the same feelings? They just expressed it differently musically. Or, I do. I yeah? I think uh, a lot of the metal bands. Uh, gravitated towards bands like Sabbath, yep. Cactus, yep. Cream, mm-hmm. uh, to express themselves that way. Yeah. And a lot of the prog bands escaped into fantasy. And, mm-hmm. and dude, there were a ton, a ton oh, yeah. so of many. U.S., mostly U.K., but U.S. copied, but tons of U.S., mm-hmm. I mean, uh, U.K. prog bands. That whole dynamic is very interesting to me because... Yeah. And punk came also out of a later scene, but... Mm-hmm. The rage from the unemployment, from yep. the, the poverty, from the ruling class, the if ruling you will. class, yeah. and and uh, the punks hated Prague. Yeah, I mean, John Lydon, aka Johnny Rotten, yep, yep. always stated in interviews the reason, one of the reasons why he did what he did was because he didn't like the quote in his word wankery of Pink Floyd. Yeah, and. Uh, the you establishment, know. you know, just going, standing against everything that that was. Even though Floyd was doing the same thing, but yeah. they were doing it in a different way. Right, exactly, in a but, more artsy, artistic way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They, but they, they were had the protest rage. songs of their yeah. of their own. Yeah. If Floyd put out a record, people flocked to the shops, mm. but that annoyed the punks. But Steve, um, delightful. Yes, just a, a gentleman. Yeah, just a, a calming voice, a calming presence. I mean, someone who's, you know, legit one of the most revered guitarists, technic, a, a, a technician, a masterful technician yeah. of the guitar. You're, we're talking to him. He's He has a guitar across from him that <laughs> Gary Moore gave yeah. him, right? Yeah. I, it's just like, I, I get goosebumps. Like, yeah. You know, and here we are, tragically lost Gary Moore, who you got me into, and Peter Green, and, and he knew both. I mean, Steve, I, was, I think, knew both of them. I was blessed to see Gary I, I was too young to see Gary with Thin Lizzy okay. but I saw Gary solo wow. on the Quarters oh. of Quarters of Power tour it's a great album 82 ish uh, yeah I was yeah. I was blown away and um, Gary kind of took me into the blues mm. I didn't get like why is this guy so different from everybody else yeah yeah I don't really care about the blues I don't you I know mean, as a kid mm-hmm. I had all this flashy stuff right. Judas Priest ACDC <laughs> Uh, right. We had the Stones. The Stones were bluesy, but right. But it was buried. It was. Yeah, it, it was buried. Yeah, yeah. And Gary just straight raw. I mean, he opened yeah. for maybe yeah. Def Leppard. Okay, that maybe yeah, something like that. Something yeah, like that. I'll look it up. Yeah, it was a little harder edge, but it was blues, mm-hmm. and I, I was like blown away. Yeah. I was like, it was, it was like sort of my induction. Wow. And uh, no, no, was it? Um, he kind of went in the mid '80s. Gary Moore yeah. went more like straight pop metal, I guess, sort of, right? He, did, he, and then he drifted back. Yeah, to, he uh, drifted away. Mm-hmm. Uh, got more into the metal sound. Okay. Some people say Quarters of Power was the beginning of that. Okay. Um, but he went from the raw bluesy edge yeah. type stuff when he was in Thin Lizzy to mm-hmm. 
to the to the more poppy stuff, yeah. Then he came back he in came the back. '90s, yeah, and, and he had some great live bluesy licks. I mean, and it was deep blues. Like this, he went back. It was like a different artist. Yeah, it was like so good. I mean, a wicked, I, yeah. wicked guitar. Yeah, player. yeah. Like and run for cover. Live, and then you have like yeah. And live, forget about it. Right. Oh just, yeah. Blazing. I mean, so I wish constant. I saw him. Oh man, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got to see him, man. <laughs> oh, I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could have been in the room though when all these guys were oh, talking. Yeah, you know, right. Peter Green and Gary Moore and, yeah. and Steve Hackett. And like a John Mayall, maybe, you know. I mean everyone <laughs> played with him. You Danny know? Kerwin. You know? Clapton even. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Curl, oh, Danny Kerwin. Oh yeah. yeah. And, Jeff and, Spack. Guys, and they were just regular guys. At yeah. the, I mean, amongst themselves, I'm yeah. sure, but they're revered, you know, for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, it's just it's amazing. So yeah, I mean we had about a half hour with Steve, but it was great, man. It was really, really cool. Um, I think we, we hit the tip of the iceberg on a lot of things. We got in depth a little bit in the book, but it was great. It was yeah. really great. Hackett, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, from the UK. The book is A Genesis in My Bed, and uh, just a, a wonderful read about your life, and uh, we'll get into all of that. First, though, how are you doing right now? I mean, I imagine you would have been on the road, but because of the coronavirus and everything kind of on hold, uh, how are you holding up? Um, yeah, very well. Um, I've been doing lots of recording. Of course, the book has come out, and um, I'm working on multiple projects two of which are done and I started work on a third so it's been the busiest year for recording I think that I've ever done. Nice. We've noticed you were doing some uh, videos online, a lot of artists recording or at least doing uh, acoustic performances, in some cases electric but playing some of those classics. What's that format been like uh, for you in, in this very strange time we're in? Well, you know, um, it was my wife, Jo, who suggested practically the day that we were back, having got the, the last flight out of Philadelphia, literally the last flight back to the old country. Um, and she said, you know, it's terrible that you've had to um, cancel on so many fans, or rather it's been canceled on us, uh, as we were halfway through an American tour and then everything closed down. She said, why don't you, you know, do some videos and, 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 and play live to people. So I did some of just sitting down playing um, a little bit of nylon guitar, um, uh, usually improvised stuff, but sometimes it was things that people had requested. But then I also started asking fans um, what their favorite tracks were and would they like me to talk about them. So we got tremendous amount of feedback from them. And uh, I, I ended up, uh, doing a whole bunch of them and and uh, I was doing them practically every day and then I started recording and I thought I can't do this and record at the same time oh, yeah. right? it's not possible uh, but um, every now and again there's a new one and um, so you know 
two recorded products later to come out <laughs> next year. Um, yeah, you know, um, it, it, it's been great. So it's 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 another way of finding out what people like and what they want to hear and what they'd like me to talk about. It's very light on from from the past. So there's a lot of that going on at the moment. There's uh, a, a lot in the book. I hope that I answer people's questions um, in detail in the book. But um, this is another way of doing it, staying in touch, not, not physically, but um, in every other way imaginable. Absolutely. It's a, a, a beautiful book, if you don't mind me saying it. Uh, Thank it, you. It really read like poetry. Your descriptions are just magnificent. I, I, I didn't want to get off on this subject because it's kind of a, a downer, but um, uh, Peter Green passed away, you know, at the end of last week. Um, yeah. We, we know he was a major, you know, influence on you. What, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, it's an extraordinary thing. Um, there is something that I think that um, there's something special. I saw Peter Green many times before he joined or formed Fleetwood Mac, and I thought he was a brilliant guitarist. I loved seeing him with John Mayall. If you went to see them together, um, with that lineup of the Blues Breakers, you always knew it was going to be a brilliant show. Oh, yeah. And it was. And, um, I had a, a friend over yesterday, um, we were at school together, and we loved early Peter Green. We, we saw many of his things together, and um, I was playing one track. I, I loved his version of, um, this is with John Mayall, um, uh, So Many Roads, um, and um, the Otis Rush track, which I covered myself many years later, but um, it was a brilliant version with John, John Mayall, brilliant guitar work on it and um, uh, forever an influence on my playing um, it was a Les Paul man Les Paul and, and Marshall that's yeah. it you know Les Paul guitar Jim Marshall amp wow you know right. explosive combination everything I wanted to do and be um, in those early years so um, um, obviously brilliant writer um, huge tragedy long before he passed the tragedy was the brilliance of the early work and um, um, I, I can only say that I do believe in the powers of spirit so um, I do believe he's now in spirit and I believe that he will be restored fully um, and um, uh, yeah huge influence what, what more can I say um, yeah. he's part of my he's part of my life he doesn't realize that but he was and this might sound like a cheap shot, but I know that he gave he gave his famous Les Paul to Gary Moore. Yep. Yeah. Greeny. Yeah. Another another brilliant guitarist. And um, uh, funnily enough, I I inherited a couple of um, guitars that belonged to Gary Moore. Um, one wow. that I'm staring right out in the living room at home at the moment. Oh, wow. My gosh. Uh, that's the Fernandez. It's a Fernandez. It's the same shape as the Les Paul. It's got the sustainer pickup. Um, Fernandez did, they gave me a gift of, of, a, of a gold top Les Paul shaped Fernandez with a whammy bar on it. <laughs> and they built exactly the same guitar as a gift yeah, yeah. To, to to Gary Moore. Uh, we, Gary and I shared the same 
guitar tech from time to time and his guitar tech um, Graham Lilly used to bring this guitar on tour as a spare for me and I said to him if ever you want to get rid of that guitar um, just let me know and um, I'd be interested in it so he said when Gary passed um, and many months later he said uh, I guess you'd be the go-to guy with this if you're interested in this guitar um, wow. I've been instructed by, by the family to sell this as he was handling the estate yeah. and um, I, I got two of these guitars and um, uh, this particular guitar plays like a dream so it's a strange um, uh, act of synchronicity that's, that's been a link from Peter Green to to me, yeah. there is a, there is a link. It, it's um, really, and I, I I I admire both those players hugely for different reasons. Yeah, just two legends, and you know, especially, you know, you mentioned the Les Paul and just the tone. I mean, what are your thoughts on? I mean, the tone of that guitar, but especially what Peter Green was able to do. He his solos were just so melodic, a bit slower too, and just he really let every note sing. Yeah. Well, as I say, if, if you're aware of that track, uh, So Many Roads, um, it was released as a single at one point. It was um, Looking Back, and um, on the B-side was So Many Roads. Yes. It's, it's, a, a, um, it's a wonderful slow blues, um, and his playing on it is, is a more distorted tone than the one that he became known for with Fleetwood Mac. But then, there, of course, there's Oh Well, when you hear Oh Well and you hear him doing that fantastic live version of it which is on, on TV when he just turns the pick up, up and it just comes into full force and it's such a brilliant version of that you know that's yeah. what I remember of him you know he was a fiery player it w wasn't always mellow um, but you know he understood dynamics and he was a, a very soulful player and a great singer Although yeah. I gather he didn't like the sound of his own voice, and maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah. And I think he didn't think he could sing. Well, you know, me and thousands of others thought he had a great voice. So um, I know that pressure of being the singer. I know that. Yeah. I know that feeling. Other people can say, oh, lovely vocal. And you think, yeah, but I wish I could sing like so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, um, yeah. We all want to be a cross between Howlin' Wolf and Mario Lanza. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we settle for what we've got. Right. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, oh, oh well, Steve, I, I, you know, in the break in that song where the, like, the Spanish guitar comes in, there's a little, yeah. bit, little bit of a nod to Ennio Morricone, too, but um, what, was that kind of popular at the time with everybody? Um, I think the long version was less well known, but it's yeah. interesting that it goes into a kind of something that I can only think of as yes, Spanish influence, but Mexican spirit, yeah. and um, and the sound of the recorders. And I've no idea who played flute or recorder on it or what, but um, um, there is something that makes it a multi-dimensional song. Yeah. It's a very clever song. Um, it's got brilliant guitar playing from not just Peter Green but also the other brilliant guitarist in that band who was Danny Kerwin yeah. um, and another guy who passed in recent years and um, Jigsaw Puzzle Blues is the go-to go track for me with Danny Kerwin yeah. uh, but 
you know, as you say, there is that live version for TV with, um, um, where they're all playing oh well, and it happens to be a brilliant performance. It's just, um, there, there's something about it. You know that it's a band on, on, on top form. Mm -hmm. Everyone had to be sober to play that at that, at, <laughs> at that time. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting, Steve. Your book is, uh, as Shane said, it's it reads like poetry, and it's it's so open and, and revealing. And I like how I think you said uh, recently to you, you know, you didn't want it to be about the cliches of rock and roll, and it's not about that at all. It's very insightful about the beginning of of those those early days. And and um, I was especially uh, touched by the moment when you you first met up with um, Mike Rutherford, and I think it was actually Pete and. Uh, Tony Banks and just um, your your first impressions of them and you know here here are these uh, these young lads you're all young and and they're very studious and you'd go on to obviously be one of the most influential bands of all time. Just talk a little bit about those early meetings that first time uh, with uh, Genesis. Okay, well um, I didn't know who Genesis were. Um, Pete recommended that I listen to um, a track from Trespass called Stagnation. Um, I went down to the local record store in King's Road and my brother and I listened to Stagnation and we weren't sure if we were listening to guitar or keyboard um, so it was an intriguing um, sound combination um, I learned later that that was a combination of 12 strings now I I, um, I had to sell my 12 string to get my, my first Gibson because I didn't have the money but I was already a 12 string man so I think that's what got me the gig with Genesis mm. they wanted another 12 string player the fact that I happened to play electric um, was perhaps um, uh, almost by the by um, it, yeah Genesis very interesting band um I didn't know them, so I wasn't intimidated by the audition. Mm -hmm. um, had, I, had I known perhaps more of where it was headed, I, I might have been more nervous, but I was, um, I was kind of relaxed about it and um, uh, very honest. Yeah. Very you... honest with them. I, I, I had no sense of diplomacy. Um, I shudder to think some of the things I must have said. <laughs> uh, not just to Genesis, but to other people. But I, I think that I had some growing up to do, and I think I'm a very different character now. Oh, right off the presses, we've got some vinyl, baby. Typing it up and uh, getting ready to put those uh, liner notes together and send it your way. Yes, Dave, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> We're ready for news. Yes. As we were talking about Peter Green's uh, tragic passing, tributes coming in all over. Of course, we heard from the great Steve Hackett, but uh, other uh, members of Fleetwood Mac, uh, Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks, were paying tribute to Peter Green as well. Uh, this is from Stereo Gum. Fleetwood Mac's Peter Green passed away yesterday. This is a bit older. This is two days old. So anyway, passed away recently. Sure. Uh, and the tributes have been pouring in. Mick Fleetwood, fellow band member, provided a statement to Rolling Stone writing, quote, for me, every past and present member of Fleetwood Mac losing... For me and every past and present member of Fleetwood Mac, losing Peter Green is monumental. 
Peter was the man who started the band, Fleetwood Mac, along with myself, John McVie, and Jeremy Spencer. No one has ever stepped into the ranks of Fleetwood Mac without a reverence for Peter Green and his talent, yeah. and to the fact that music should, uh, should shine bright and always be delivered with uncompromising passion. Three or four exclamation points there. Three. Uh, and Stevie Nicks, who joined the group after Green left, offered up a statement on her social media accounts, quote, I am so sorry to hear about the passing of Peter Green. My biggest regret is that I never got to share the stage with him. I always hoped in my heart of hearts that that would happen when I first listened that's to That's wild. The... Isn't it amazing? I'm, I, I'm yeah. sorry about it. No, no, no. That's fine. You would have thought at some yeah. point in, in their careers, considering how long she right. was with them, mm -hmm. like, what, 20, 30 at, years At least, going yeah. Out? Like, yeah. Seven, yeah. Wow. You would think that there would have a jam a special occasion Just or something, something, you know? Something, you know? It it, it would have been... Uh, did Christine McVie... They intersected a little bit, I think, right? Because she came in... Yeah, she uh, was Christine Perfect then. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Yep. But she was on some... Uh, like late, later... Some of the early early 70s Early, early 70s, yeah. that's it, yeah. And then Stevie and, and Lindsay came together like, as a package. Yeah, late 70s. Yeah, from Buckingham Nixon. The late 70s, I want to say... Mid-70s, 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 yeah. But, um, so, I mean, for her to say, you know, um, when I first listened to all the Fleetwood Mac records, I was very taken with his guitar playing. Is this, this is not a jab at Lindsay, is it? <laughs> no, 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 I know. No, because so, no. everyone know. knows Lindsay's no, phenomenal. I know. I know. Everyone that's played in this band is... It's tremendous. Yeah. It's tremendous, yeah. Uh, you know, she said, I was very taken with his guitar playing. It was one of the reasons I was excited to, to join the band. His legacy will live on forever in the history books of rock and roll. Uh, and yeah, that's it right there. But um, just amazing, you know. And kind of a special thing when you know the band named after what was the story? Peter Green wanted John McVie in the band, so he, right. they they tweaked the name. Uh, it's Mac M A C, but that's basically a nod to McVie, right? Yeah. Uh, so here are these guys, Mick Fleetwood and um, uh, uh, John McVie, who are watching over the years all these incredible people yeah. that they're powering through <laughs> the rhythm section. That's kind of yeah. cool, you know. It's yeah. different, you know. So. The yeah. band is named after the rhythm section. Yep, so that's it. Yeah, that you cannot is it. complain. It's one of the best rhythm sections uh, ever. Yes, ever light the world on fire. So good. Yeah. But uh, just to go down the list of mm. of Peter Green's songs, and you have to start with my. It's probably my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Um, I like both parts of it, okay. parts one and two. But oh well. Yes. Part yeah. one and oh well part two. Mm -hmm. uh, just. <clears throat> It's, it's, oh yeah, yeah, and and that was covered uh, by later versions of the band. The two guys who replaced Lindsey Buckingham on the Tango and the Night Tour, Zito. they did it. Yeah, yeah, I forget their names. Rick, some, Rick Zito. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. Like that. they, That's um, one era I don't really care. About. Right. No, no, I know, but but they um, they did some covers of it. So they've did, even through the years they did covers of those early you know couple of, I believe uh, songs. That was um, the glossy era of the eighties yeah. that like Hart was making. Yeah. Just schlock. Starship was making yep. schlock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of, that's my that least bad favorite. Word? No, it's not a bad word. Schlock? No. Okay. But good. this word is. <laughs> it's it's like, a, it, it's just that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was over. What was the name of that record? Beyond the. Uh, which one? The uh, Beyond the Pale or Horse and Rider? Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac? Yeah, the one that um, with uh, the guys that replaced. Oh, um, Lindsay. Tango in the Night? No, it was no, the, it wasn't after Tango. That. Um, hang on. Because Tango was uh, 
in my humble opinion, was there, there was, was their last great record. I agree. I love that record. It's one of my favorites. Caroline is a great song. Uh, Mira, Behind the Mask? Behind, yeah, the, behind mask. the Mask. Yeah, 1990, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. It was different. Uh, the guys were... That's when everything was... Rick Vito and was, Billy Burnett. Yeah. yeah. Everything was so overblown. And, oh, uh, yeah. I know. And not knocking Rick's skills and not, or Billy's skills, mm-hmm. but it just... Um, yeah, who produced that one? That was produced by uh, Lindsay Lindsay Buckingham. Apparently. Oh no, no, no! no, 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 no I'm sorry. Um, Greg uh, Ladani. Yeah, he, he was. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Yeah. That was kind of a studio. Yeah, and then Time came out after that. They had a couple of videos on MTV that were aired and then disappeared. Uh, Richard. Um, and rightly so. Richard Dashett yeah. and Ray Kennedy and John Jones. I I don't know those producers. But then the dance happened, and it all came back. And yeah. I think there were times when bands knew we got to reunite the band. You know, like Kiss was kind of going through that in the mid '90s. Well, the right? dance came from, from from playing for the Clintons. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's the right. Inauguration. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, regardless of, of the politics, whatever. Yep. That that whole thing was one of the coolest things. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, released in uh, 19 August 1997. Yep. Uh, hailed the return of the band's most successful lineup, Lindsey Buckingham, McFleetwood, Christine McVie, John McVie, uh, Stevie Nicks. They had not been together since, of course, Tango in the right. Night, 87. Anyway, yeah. Yep. Good stuff. But uh, Peter Green's songs, Oh Well, Part 1, Green Man Alishi, mm-hmm. uh, covered Priest, by... yeah. yeah the, the riff. Priest. The riff. Yeah. Um, that The Peter Green's riff. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the heaviest riffs for rock and roll at that time, yeah. I think. Black Magic Woman. Yep. Which... Santana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which Santana covered, Man mm-hmm. of the World. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was covered. Who, oh, was it Queen? No, who did that uh, one? covered Man of the World? Hang on, let me see. I'm looking. We should have done our homework, guys. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you do an interview, you want to take the rest of the week off. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Man of the World, 69 yeah. uh, cover versions. And I remember the B-side. I... The, it doesn't say. The B-side was great. It was somebody's going to get their head kicked in the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a title. I mean. Oh, it's like a great what title. Kind of title? Yeah. It's just beautiful. It's so not like Fleetwood Mac. I guess it Well, It, it yeah, is. It was. Yeah. Then uh, one of the greatest songs from Fleetwood Mac and uh, one of the songs also that uh, Steve talked about, mm-hmm. uh, Rattlesnake Shake. Yes. Yep. Uh, Albatross, which okay. is un-freaking-believable. Oh, yeah. Ian Anderson did it, Man of the World. Ian Anderson, Bernie Marsden from Whitesnake in 95, he did a cover of Man of the World. Uh, apparently, according to this website, yep. uh, secondhand songs. Anyway, yeah. my apologies for interrupting. Need Your Love So Bad. Yes. From 69, Shake Your Moneymaker. Uh, that was appropriated that by uh, Black Crows as an album title. Mm, that's where uh, they got it from? Yeah. That's, okay, that's, I, didn't, I did not know that. That was the name of Peter's song. Yeah, uh, okay. The Same Way, Supernatural. I Loved Another Woman, mm. World Keep On Turning, Loser Two Times, um, song Greeny from John Mayall and the Bruce Breaker, yes. if you ever heard the, of that. Whew. Named uh, after the yeah. guitar, perhaps, yeah. or maybe that's where the, it inspired the name. Nickname. Yeah. Uh, looking for Somebody, just an absolute uh, unbelievable song. You, yeah. His talent, uh, and it's kind of weird because, um, and his, I think... Uh, time is always kind to those who pass away. Right. Bef- you know, kind of before their time or mm-hmm. die before everyone else. Uh, and I think that his 
his recognition now will explode. Yeah, uh, so it's people... been very difficult to get a lot of these records for mm. years in the sense of so sad. like you can find rumor rumors, you can find uh the one that came with Mac, yeah. you can find Tusk, no Mirage. problem. Mirage you can find. I mean who Mirage, Tango yeah. of the Night. But it's it's very difficult to find a copy of Kiln House. Yeah. Or um and play on and um you know it's it's I think that's going to change. Yeah, and and I, a lot of people are just not familiar with that era because it's so it's like old school British, right? I think, you know. Uh, I mean, some like I was happy to see. I looked up some of those videos, and they had millions of views. You know, some had like, like, like I think Man of the World had a couple million views, and you could tell it's it had been online for about ten years. But like, I was happy to see like there was there were some good numbers for those early tracks. You know, people and YouTube music sleuths like myself, you find those deep. Yeah, tracks and those early cuts, and it's a whole community of people, you know. Um, and I was just happy to see that it's it was not quite as obscure because again, you know, you know, you hear Fleetwood Mac, and you know, a lot of young people, millennials, they love Fleetwood right. Mac, but it's it's the rumor stuff, you know what I mean? Right. Um, which is amazing, but there was so much more to them, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Something that really grabbed me uh, was an interview on Music Radar mm. the other the other night when I was reading about. Peter and there's some really good snippets of interviews and uh, one of the funny ones I thought um, <clears throat> that, uh, I'll just read the article it mm -hmm. says the chat began by asking Peter what it feels like to be up on stage again as the center of attention uh, this is when he was um, with uh, his group the Splinter Group mm. in like 1998 and he said well I never did that kind of thing with Fleetwood Mac so why should I start to do it now mm. he said I'm only Eric Clapton's replacement I'm not Eric Clapton. Mm. Look what happened to Mick Taylor for replacing me. Look what happened to the Rolling Stones. Mm. Uh, that was when he was uh, with the Blues Breakers. Yeah, wow. You know, he... Yeah, I forget about that. He, uh, he was, Clapton uh, was there, and then mm -hmm. and Peter came in, and, and uh, you know. Yeah. And then Mick Taylor. It was just a string of... Mm -hmm. <laughs> just <laughs> people blowing absolute up. Absolute greatness. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. much... Uh, you know, but uh, it also says, but you went on to far greater things after John Mayall. Some of the things you wrote with Fleetwood Mac were classics. And he said, well, John Mayall went somewhere fantastic, too. Really powerful singles, and I totally agree with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a bit too powerful uh, when I think about it, uh, especially with drummer Isley Dunbar. Mm -hmm. It was really a powerful outfit. Got so many people in that band. Yeah. It's like uh, the Yardbirds. Yeah. Did yeah. You, did yeah. you come from the blues, or were you like Eric and got into it through Chuck Berry? And Peter said, I have not been that much into Chuck Berry. I prefer Bo Diddley. Mm. When you say Chuck Berry, that takes me to the Yardbirds. They were categorized as playing R&B, and this was Chuck and Bo. Mm. Uh, they did Little Queenie. It was out of this world. But I was a Rolling Stones fan, and I was a Beatles fan. And I met a couple of girls, and they said, who's your favorite group? And I said, Rolling Stones. Who's yours? They said Yardbirds. Mm. <laughs> I said, what's that? Yardbirds? I couldn't even pronounce it. <laughs> it's just very interesting. Uh, but he, he started uh, playing bass mm. and moved to guitar. So Interesting. A lot of people, that, that's funny because a lot of times the guitar player, the bass players, you know, everybody wants to play guitar and someone says, okay, fine, I'll play bass because no one else wants to, you know. Yeah. But that's an interesting transition, I think. I forget how many, I, they play, he played with Clapton and the Blues Brothers yeah, yeah. at the same time. Yep. But he was on bass and Clapton was on the other side. And mm -hmm. and uh, I know that a lot of times 
jokingly, they you know, people have asked him, you know, like, what do you think of Clapton? And he's like, I don't know. I couldn't hear him. He was on the other side of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, complete cock up. But, but great. You know, whatever. But, yeah, it was like... Uh, uh, but he goes on to say uh, he had a Telecaster. It was really impressive. Uh, he also had a Les Paul. His fingers were marvelous. It took everyone away from me. Like my birthday, Christmas, you forgot everything. Mm. And, you know, just listen to this. And, you know, he, he like everyone... Um, Eric was yeah, God. You gotta feel um, even if you don't know how to play a guitar, really, you know, to pick up and just play a couple notes on a Telecaster. I mean, that that is one of the finest instruments that has been, in my view, remarkably consistent throughout the his, the evolution of the instrument. You know, yeah. Um, except for the one hundred thousand um, uh, dollar Louis Vuitton uh, Telecaster that they gave. Um, yeah. What was his name? Uh, um, uh, you know, Post Malone. But yeah. anyway, but no, I mean, it's a twangy, bluesy. It's just such a, oh man, it's it's just a fantastic instrument. You feel the old school when you play one of those. Yeah. You know, you really do. You just go to Guitar Center to play one. Oh, and this was something also that I read. I don't a couple a couple years ago, um, and I wish I would have brought it up, but I was trying to think who who it was, mm. and I. One of the other people that owns one of um, owns Greeny. That's mm-hmm. what the song was. Greeny is a guitar. Yep. It's a Les Paul. Yeah. Gibson Les Paul. And, one of the uh, bursts. Uh, burst, one one yeah. of the people that owns uh, Peter Green's Greeny is Kirk. Yeah, that's right. From Italy. he's been showing it a lot. He's been showing even before. I mean, like before. Um, uh, Peter passed away. Now, does he use that on stage or does he? I don't know. I think he keeps it at home. Um, there's a photographer. I want to show you. There's a guy named Ross. Uh, hang on. I'm going to show you something here. Kirk Hammett, that is, by the way. So yep. just so you, we didn't want to leave you in the in the lurch. Yeah. Uh, Ross, uh, and I think you pronounce it uh, Halfen. Uh, Halfen. Halfen. Yeah, yeah, he's a photographer. And uh, he tweeted great this. Great photographer. Yeah, great photographer. He tweeted this, uh, you know, of course he said, I'm very shocked and saddened to hear to learn of uh, Peter Green's death. He had taken uh, Kirk Hammett uh, to meet him, uh, Peter Green, at his home uh, in the Isle of Dogs uh, with his old Greeny guitar only this January. So, yeah. you know, this is a picture, very recent picture. So he just acquired kind of like, it this year. Yeah, yeah, very recent. That's why he's been, uh, that. I guess Kirk's been uh, tweeting about it so much. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad uh, that I did, as this is a quite, quite poignant looking at it now. Peter will always be remembered as one of this country's greatest blues giants and uh, no doubt, very cool. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, that just reminded me. I mean, can you imagine taking uh, the guitarist from Metallica over to, yeah. you know, to arrange this reunion? You know, right? That was his guitar, man. And yeah. seven months later, he he passes away. I know, it's crazy. Not reunion, but this guitar trade, right. uh, tra- yeah. I should say, yeah. But just amazing. Huh. So yeah, it's uh, it, it hits keep coming in 2020 with uh. with death and. Uh, it started with Neil Peart. That There's feels like two years ago. a hell of a band forming up there this year, though. Amen, man. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that, too. You know, I was a thinking, heck of a band. I was thinking, you guys, I mean, uh, Gary Moore died some years ago, but what, a decade ago or so, or something yeah. like that. But I was thinking of those guys jamming together, you know, yeah. Peter Green and uh, uh, Gary Moore. Just There's a, a more obscure death that happened also uh, mm-hmm. just yesterday. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there because she was a blues singer mm-hmm. as well. Uh, incredible pipes. Um Again, this is obscure, mm-hmm. but uh, her name is Denise Johnson, and she was from Manchester. She okay. sang with Primal Scream, Stone Roses, New Order, okay. A Certain Ratio. Mm. Um, 
heck, probably any band that came out of Manchester mm. in the 80s and 90s, she uh, she did background vocals for. Wow. Oh, gosh. Uh, she, was, she worked with Factory Records as one of their stable vocalists. Mm. And um, if you ever get a chance, go to YouTube, check out some of Denise Johnson's work. Um, she was uh, in the process, I think, of putting out another record, mm. solo record. Um, unfortunately, a lot of Denise's stuff got stuck in with some of the house music that didn't age, in my opinion, uh, very really? well. Oh, jeez. Uh, but her range was was incredible. Mm. And uh, it, there's numerous clips of her singing uh, acoustic ballads. Uh, she does a song called Evangeline. Okay. Um, just... Mm. Wow. Sounds amazing. Oh, my God. Got, got my hair standing up this morning. Yeah. Oh. And um, <laughs> definitely check out Denise. Uh, she, too, will will get more famous in death, unfortunately. It's so sad how that works. It's just, it's tragic. You know, just something about, you know, because, like, when it's trending, like, when Peter Green was trending on Twitter, you know, I was kind of surprised because, you know, it's the name Fleetwood Mac, I think. Because, yeah. I mean, it's probably, is it mostly younger people on Twitter, you think? Probably, right? Yeah. And but so this is how they learn of of um, you know yeah his uh, legacy. But hey, you know now our pal least, Jada yeah. Alicia she oh she yeah she knows she, it. she's she's been uh, kind of destroyed. Yeah, she's been posting about it a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, as as are a lot a lot, lot of other um, of our podcasting yep. friends and, and bloggers and such. Yeah. But yeah, uh, rest in peace, Peter. Uh, you left a tremendous legacy and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and many people emulating uh, his work. And uh, speaking, I guess, shifting gears a little bit, yeah. um, you know, and emulating work, Another Axe um, Man. Another Axe Man, yeah. <laughs> so there's something in common there. Um, Ace Fraley recruits uh, all-stars for his long-awaited, I'm adding this headline into the Ultimate Classic Rock Story, uh, for Origins Volume 2 covers album. But I'm going to say for the long-awaited Origins Volume 2 covers album. I've been waiting for this for a while. The LP, this is ultimateclassicrock.com, the LP features freely reinterpreting a wide range of classic tracks along an assortment of guest stars. Nice. Alongside an assortment. So, uh, Lita Ford, she joins uh, the guitarist for a rendition of the Rolling Stones' Jumping Jack Flash, while <laughs> Cheap Tricks' Robin Zander, he, Robin uh, Zander has such a great voice. Greatest rock oh, voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lends his voice to a cover of Humble Pie's 30 Days in the Hole. That's a good one. Wow. That's a good one. Um... Uh, there's a quote here. Um, I really wanted to do the Humble Pie song, uh, but I just couldn't cut it vocally because uh, Steve uh, and I, it's Marriott, I think. Uh, I, I apologize. Steve Marriott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Marriott. Um, uh, he's just too good of a goddamn singer, freely previously explained. <laughs> um, quote, uh, I just couldn't do it just do justice to his vocals, uh, but I remembered that I had bumped into Robin Zander years ago at a meet and greet, and he had mentioned to me that he'd like to sing on one of my upcoming records. How about how could, yeah. What a combination, right? <laughs> uh, so I remembered that and gave him a call. Elsewhere on the LP, Fraley is joined by fellow Kiss guitarist, former Kiss guitarist Bruce Kulick. The two collaborated on a cover of the Jimi Hendrix classic Manic Depression. Uh, guitarist John Five, you've got to have John Five in the mix, right? Uh, John Five, known for his stints with David Lee Roth, that record. You you got me into yeah, that DLR record. DLR band, yeah, ninety nine, right? John Five, yes. Marilyn, Marilyn Manson, Manson. Uh, Rob <laughs> Zombie, and wrote a song with Steve Perry of all things. Yeah. Um, appears on two of the album's tracks, renditions of the Beatles "I'm Down" and "Cream's Politician." Yeah, that was a song that um, Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar would jam a lot. "Politician" by Cream. Yeah. Um, uh, Fraley says here. 
Uh, if you listen to the Cream version, uh, Clapton does a double solo. He's playing uh, two solos at the same time. That's true. Um, so what me and John Five did is uh, he did a solo, I did a solo, and then uh, Alex uh, Salzman, my engineer, we did a crossfade. So how, how smoking is that, man? <laughs> So if you listen to the song with headphones on, you'll hear me going from one side to the other and John going uh, from one side back. So it's an interesting mix. That's really cool. Uh, other highlights uh, from Origins Volume 2 includes uh, uh, covers of Led Zeppelin's Good Times, Bad Times, The Kinks, uh, Lola, um, and The Animals. Uh, we got to get out of this place. That's a great one. <laughs> Fraley's new version of the uh, 1975 Kiss song, uh, She. So that's a new version of the 75 Kiss classic. And um, my mom called. I told her I'm taping a show. Don't call now. <laughs> That's okay. Though. I'm, I'm uh, sure my mom's going to call shortly. But. <laughs> and a cover of Deep Purple's Space Truckin', which has already been released as the LP's first single. Okay. We'll tweet that out, too. That's pretty good. I think I have I think I actually stumbled on that the other yeah, day. Yeah, it's good, yeah. i got to say, and um, you and I were blessed. We, we got to see him on the Space, oh, yeah. Space Invader tour. Wasn't that great? Um. I didn't know what to think. I'm going to say this. We went to the Keswick Theater. We saw Ace uh, and the band. Mm-hmm. It was a crack band he had. Then. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. I was sort of un- like I was preparing to be underwhelmed. Yeah, he had Richie Scarlett there who was uh, who had played with him on, uh, I think, the 89 album, I want yeah. to say. But no, I know. It was, uh, it was different, right? Yeah, I mean, what, what was the distance of time between was like 15 years something like that between Psycho Circus and uh yeah and 90, that record 90 so I, I think like, so oh, yeah about you know, that, I wonder yeah. I was kind of in my mind I'm like I wonder how many possible pegs mm-hmm. he, he went down since dude that show smoking just blew so me good. away I know and I cranking man. I think I posted about it and I said something I mean you know I wasn't involved with the show or anything like that mm-hmm. but I, I and uh, crickets yeah like uh, nobody you know. Yeah, I know. And but, there were seats empty at the show, mm-hmm. um, but it made like my my year. Yeah, I really, oh, it was a I, great. It was around Thanksgiving. It confirmed. I think, was it? Yeah, yeah. It confirmed. Yeah, kind of my uh, like everything about Ace at that point that mm-hmm. he's my favorite oh, yeah. member. Of Kiss just raw. And really, just really had a, such a unique style of playing. I mean, huge fan of, of his 1978 solo album. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally and I. You know, I feel bad about it, but I totally blew off Trouble Walking. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, what, what's the... Um, there's a Hydra Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Trunk right? went yeah. out of his way to right. get Ace onto Megaforce. Right, right. Sorry, and yeah. um, at that point, I was a music snob, mm-hmm. and I pretty much walked away from anything that resembled yeah. metal. Um, I've since gone back. Um, it's, it's all fantastic stuff. Uh, Space Invaders, a really fun album. Mm-hmm. Anomaly, the one five years before Space Invaders, great. Uh, Spaceman, which uh, Gene Simmons said you should call it Spaceman. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to call it uh, thirty or however many years later was it thirty years, forty years later from yeah. the uh, you know and uh, you know from the first album. And no, Ace or uh, Gene said you should call it Spaceman. So yeah. I don't know if Gene was giving him permit because I didn't know if Gene owned the makeup and the you know Gene owns it, owns everything. So. You know, but no, no, there's a deal. I think Ace has a deal where Tommy gets to wear the Spaceman costume yeah. and everything. But, but no, uh, Ace is still the Spaceman, has the, at the, the headstock of the Les Paul. 
it's the picture from his uh, 78 album and makeup. It's really <laughs> yeah. cool. It's a great headstock. But know? I just, I can't, I, I talked, to, I told a friend, uh, a friend of mine, Dave uh, Mann in, in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. I said, hey, yeah. check out Ace. It was and, worth it, and it was, And I, I so you know, good. I got a little, and he, he saw me, like, called me or texted me, like, the next day. He was like, dude, right. that was... Right? Wasn't it, it a great show? I mean, just, he is a showman. Yeah. Um, the first origin's kind of interesting because he did, what, some cream, some stones. Yeah. John some, Fives uh, on that. He did Fire and Water with Paul, Paul Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. 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 He did Emerald with Slash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lita Ford was on that doing Wild Thing. Parasite with John Five, which that, I was version, say John Five, I that, that was version that, yeah. just kicks butt. Yeah, dude. Uh, Magic Carpet Ride, Steppenwolf. Cold Gin with Mike McCready of Pearl mm-hmm. Jam. And uh, rock and roll hell until the end of the day. Uh, if you like fun music, if you like, I, I don't know. I just yeah. have to. I'm not selling well, Ace played, Freely records no, here. But, but, but no, no, I know. But it was just. It was so. It was such a like he played. He played Parasite too in that riff when he yeah. cut into it oh. on that show. It's like man, that <laughs> was great. You know? Yes, but, but uh, you, know, you had a Marshall. You had Les yeah. Paul. It's it's freaking cigarette rock and, roll, and his man. guitar and the yeah. car, <laughs> smoke machine and it's all you know. It's just the classic stuff. It's just showman. It's just yeah. it was just a blast. Yeah, it was. I wanted to run up to the stage and jump on stage. You were just, saying that. I, know. <laughs> I was just at that point where I was yeah. like, "Come on, man, this is so." Yeah. Anybody, I just want to fly around the room or something with my space boots on. And, <laughs> but uh, really looking forward to this, yeah. and it's just good fun ripping. Oh yeah, dude. You know, it's not serious music. It's right. just meant to be enjoyed. And mm-hmm. It's ace. You know, it's ace, man. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, anything else in news? Uh, ACD's new album has been delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Uh, D. Snyder says that ACDC's much-anticipated new album has been recorded, but had to be delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic, mm. which I just pretty much said <laughs> the sentence before. But isn't that awesome that we said it twice? That's right. So, so you, you don't know forget. now. Uh, the Twisted Sister singer What's told... What's the story again? I'm just kidding. Yeah, the Twisted Sisters <laughs> singer told ABC Audio, mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything but it's ACDC, man. You can't go wrong. Four chords in a dream, baby. That's, That's it. it. That's unquote. it. Unquote. <laughs> um, last December, D. Snyder confirmed that he had dinner with Brian Johnson and that the ACDC frontman was doing, quote, good. Four years after he was forced to leave the band mid-tour due to a dangerous level of hearing loss, mm. he was eventually replaced on the road by Guns N' Roses vocalist Axl Rose. Did you go to that show? Yes, it you was did. good. It was really good. Yeah, it was Cliff Williams' last original run, I think. Yeah. It was like the last stop of the tour, I want to say. Yeah, it yeah. was really good, man. And Malcolm, was was he already gone by yeah, then? Yeah, he passed it. Yeah. yeah, it was Stevie who was uh, in yeah. the band, I think, at the time, yeah. ACDC has really right. taken a lot of hits in the last... Ugh. Yeah, Last Phil and his uh, legal problems, and yeah. right? Yeah. So Chris Slade, I want to say, he came back in yep. on that one, yeah. So uh, it's good to know um, ACDC's got a record, but it's going to be taking a while. But it, it sounds like D's, D's really excited about it. If D's yeah. really excited about it, then... I mean, uh, Rock or Bust was... I enjoyed it. It was good. It was, it was a crunchy, uh, you know, updated, but still classic. Uh, again, four chords, you know. The joke <laughs> is, uh, I think uh, Angus and Brian would say the joke was, you know, they put the same album out all the time. They just changed the cover. <laughs> yeah. And I, if you're expecting, you know, I don't know what, what you're expecting when yeah. you listen to music, but yeah. you pretty much know what to expect when you're listening to ACDC yeah. or Ace Freely, for that matter. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, it's not uh, thinking man's rock and roll. Right. It's just rock and roll. Yeah, uh, blow up your video was a little different. I think right. It was a little more, yeah. maybe a little bit, but that was it. But not by much. Not by Other much. than that, it was. You're right. It's just the classic stuff, man. I mean, yep. yeah. So uh, that's exciting. At least there's some stuff out there on the yep. horizon. Mm-hmm. Yes, when I'm we, excited for that. When yeah. we, if we ever get through this, yeah. And Wolfgang Van Halen's laundry. album, apparently Wolfgang Van Halen's record delayed. Sammy Hagar praised him, said that it's great. Sammy Hagar praises Wolfgang Van Halen's bad bleeping bleep music. Yes. <laughs> Sammy Hagar has heard a bits of Wolfgang Van Halen's upcoming record, and he's a fan. Last week, the Van Halen bassist wrote an Instagram post where he said he's accepted that the audience has preconceived notions of what an album by the son of Eddie Van Halen should sound like. Van Halen News Desk noticed that Hagar saw the post and left a comment. Uh, Wolfie, that's a great answer. Uh, and the only way you will ever be happy and satisfied is doing your own thing the way you hear it in your head and yep. feel it in your heart. You inherited genetically enough talent for 10 lifetimes. That's true. Yeah. Um, use it the way you want. P.S. I've heard a couple snippets and they are bad bleeping bleep. <laughs> um, try to keep it as a family show. Yeah. Uh, hope I run into you someplace <laughs> once we all get out of prison. Ha, stay safe. Love, love to your mom and dad. Wolfgang responded saying, thanks so much for the kind words, Sam. Can't wait for you to hear it. Much love to you and yours. That's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, reaching so, out to each other, eh? Yeah, that was a few days ago that came down, yep. That, that, and that's the thing about Eddie, and and I didn't know this until recently, uh, probably from one of mm-hmm. the shows or uh, from The Wire. Yeah. Um, but uh, Eddie didn't like, he didn't really listen to his contemporaries. He no, he didn't. Yeah, he just did his own thing. Yep. And it's really cool to hear that Wolfie's doing the same thing. Yeah, like he doesn't listen to a lot of music too. Like Eddie yeah. Van Halen would say, yeah. like he doesn't. Which was kind of in the Billboard interview from five years ago. I was amazed. It's like you don't listen to music. You know, yeah. it, was, it was different. But well, that uh, makes yeah. it a little more sense that they did yeah. a Little Feet cover on right. Yeah. OU812. Yeah. Right. It does. It does. Because <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. I, Lowell George. What? <laughs> huh? I know. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, that's about twelve years too late. But yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, was it a TED thing? It was a TED thing, right? A political blues. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Don yep. Landy, I think. Don Landy. That's a Don Landy. Yep. yep. You know, we've got to open up and get to that vinyl goodness. The vault is open, Dave. Yes, it is. And records, I'm here. records, records. Oh, and yes. my mask just went over my eye. You know, so. and mine's Ugh. been staying in place. You know, these things, but this one's kind of fraying a little bit. It's really weird. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, some of these that different one's seen brands. Days. Yeah, it's not terrible, but yeah, it's. It kind of looks like you have like a little icicle coming out of your nose. Yeah, right. It does. It's really <laughs> it's, cool. It's fuzzy icicle. It's fun. Yeah, it's really weird. It's kind of a beak. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's excellent, Dave. I can be Birdman, you know, and kiss, put some Bird makeup on me. Birdman, yeah. Birdman! <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, so yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got some really, uh, July 28th, uh, a list of uh, record releases uh, for the next few weeks and months is uh, pretty exciting. There's been some cool announcements uh, that have come out. The first one, it's a no-brainer. we got to get it out of the way mm-hmm. because, I mean... It, we could talk for weeks about this record, yes. but um, foundational. It's the 50th anniversary this year of Black Sabbath's "Paranoid," mm-hmm. and uh, which is crazy to think. 50 I mean, years, man! Isn't that wild? Yeah, I'm, we're old. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm old, but because uh, I remember this when I was a kid, sitting right. there holding it, and it wasn't even out 
maybe wow. more in four or five years, six, oh seven God. years. <laughs> 50 years for Paranoid. Um, it's finally getting a domestic reissue. Uh, this Now, this originally came out in September 2016. Mm. Um, but uh, there's going to be a four-disc version um, reissued. Uh, that version, the, the 2016 version, is gone for funny money, mm. of course. Even used 85 to 100 and up. Wow. The Paranoid Super Deluxe Edition includes the two, 2012 remaster of the original uh, album. In addition to a rare 1974 quad mix of the mm. album folded down to stereo, which I still have not heard, uh, and I have practically everything um, that that Sabbath has done, um, and I've not heard this mix. Mm. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, plus two concerts from 1970s, uh, one from Montreux and one from Brussels. Mm. Uh, the four-disc set comes with a hardbound book with extended liner notes. Featuring new interviews with all four band members, uh, rare photos, memorabilia, poster, and as well a replica of the tour book sold during the Paranoid Tour. Mm. So if you didn't get it the first time around, uh, they're uh, using the 50th anniversary of the record to uh, get it out to you again. Nice. And this version will not be a UK pressing, this will be a US pressing. Mm. So. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's a, uh, it's, Rhino, it's, Rhino it's, always does things right, too. Yeah, so. oh, they do, yeah. They, they just love they, them. They do a nice job uh, with everything. No, they do. Yeah. And speaking of Rhino and Warner Music, uh, <clears throat> Robert Plant uh, in October, October 2nd of this year, uh, is getting an anthology. It's called Digging Deep. You're looking forward to this. Yeah, Subterranea. I, I Honestly, some of his later records, you don't need the whole record. Right. Um some of the tracks, standout tracks, really speak speak enough, and that's all you need. That's yep. just my opinion. Mm -hmm. If you're a huge Robert Plant solo record fan, I don't mean to offend. Uh, but if you're if you're more a casual fan, I'm a huge fan of uh, Burning Down One Side. Yeah. Or is that the name? Of, I can't. I think so. I, I like first pictures, and second. Yeah. His first and second solo records. Mm -hmm. um, pardon for all the brain farts tonight, but <laughs> it's the way it is. It is when yeah. you're when you're our age and. <laughs> you worked an entire day shift. Exactly, right? You know, uh, this is really cool. Digging Deep Subterranean showcases landmark tracks from each of the eight-time Grammy Award winners' 11 masterful solo albums, including a number of songs featured on Digging Deep mm. with Robert Plant. Highlights include the number one rock hit, Hurting Kind, mm. and the Grammy Award-nominated Award Shine It All Around, mm. alongside the previously unreleased exclusives, Nothing Takes the Place of You, written by New Orleans musician Toussaint McCall mm. and recorded for the acclaimed 2013 film Winter in the Blood. Uh, Charlie Patton Highway, Turn It Up, Part 1, taken from the soon-to-be-released album Band of Joy, Volume 2, and a spectacular duet rendition of Charlie Feather's rockabilly classic Too Much Alike feeder, featuring Pat, Patty Griffin. Nice. Featuring. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, limited edition two CD set includes those three previously unreleased tracks. Uh, just some of the tracks. I mean, Rainbow, Hurting Kind, Shining All Around, Ship of Fools, Darkness, Darkness, Heaven Knows. Ship of Fools is awesome. I mean, In the yeah. Mood, New World, Like I've Never Been Gone. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. That's where Phil just, wow. Yeah, he just goes. Yeah. He crushes yeah. on that record. Uh, does, Satan, man. Your Kingdom Must Come Down, uh, acoustic version of Great Spirit. Uh, Angel Dance, 
Comba, Anniversary, Reckless Love, Fat Lip, uh, Embrace Another Fall, mm. Big Log, Classic. Mm -hmm. a big in video on MTV yeah. there on that one. Falling in Love Again, Memory Song, and Promised Land. So, yeah. uh, some people were a little put off, but... Uh, it was different. Yeah. It wasn't as heavy, right? I mean, it wasn't... It was different. It was a very different sound. Yeah. I mean, this is his second compilation mm -hmm. in uh, probably the last 10 years. Mm. So, uh, you know, some yeah. people get a little put off. But there are some exclusives on here that aren't available anywhere else. Mm. So, if you're really... Uh, and he has his uh, Digging Deep podcast series, which you've never heard. Uh, I heard... Um, pretty cool. I heard a couple episodes uh, early on when it launched. It's, uh, he's, he's just talking about old stories, pretty much, right? Right. Yeah, it's really cool. And uh, he, he has a co-host, I think, or somebody almost interviewing him. At least in some of the early shows I heard, somebody was interviewing him about. Uh, but it was great. It was fantastic. And there's uh, some other uh, unreleased stuff from him that's uh, also available on vinyl. Vinyl-only box set. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not any unreleased material, so mm. anyway, right. Robert is getting another anthology, That's and cool. we'll take it, yeah, because we <laughs> like yeah. Robert. Yeah. Um, this one I gotta, gotta throw out because it pretty much goes with everything we've been talking about on the show mm -hmm. with Steve and you and I, and the news of Peter Green's passing, yeah. Um, September 4th, uh, I can't highly recommend this enough. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's box set, 1969 and 1974. That's awesome. You talk about timing, right? Yeah. I mean, holy crap. It's like, they sometimes it feels like they know. But this yeah. has been unlisted right. for like several months. Right. Yeah, this has been, I know, yeah, out there for a while. Yeah. I mean, they, the they know. plan, yep. Uh, the release is an eight CD box set that includes uh, remastered versions of all of their seven studio albums that, that the band recorded between 1969 and 1974. Mm after Peter left John Mayall and the Bluesbreakers and the ba this band formed. Uh, there are several bonus tracks, which is really cool, and an unreleased 1974 concert recorded just a few months before Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined the band. Mm. Uh, Fleetwood Mac 1969 and 1974 is coming in September. Uh, it covers a five-year time frame that encompasses several different band lineups from founding members you know, Fleetwood, Peter Green, uh, McVie and Spencer mm -hmm. to later editions like Danny Kerwin, Christine McVie, Dave Walker, Bob Welch, and Bob Weston. I always forget about Dave Walker. I always forget for some reason. And a lot of people forget about Bob Welch. Yeah. Um, the albums are uh, Then Play On, 1969, Kiln mm -hmm. House, 1970, Future Games, uh, 1971, mm -hmm. Bear Trees, 1972, Penguin, 1973, Mystery to Me, 1973. And Heroes Are Hard to Find, 1974. Um, just yeah. really, 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 really necessary music here. If, if you like later Fleetwood Mac and you like the blues, dig in. Give it a I, It's, it's a oh, very yeah. affordable set. It's not really that much. Um, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, actually I am positive because I saw it, there is also a vinyl set. Mm. Uh, it, doesn't have a, it doesn't have as many... Um, of the records, it doesn't have as many uh, discs. Let's, mm. let's put it that way. Uh, but there's also a vinyl set that's probably twice as much mm. as the CD version. The CD version is about 54 bucks. The vinyl sets in like 100, 110 range. Yeah, it's not bad at all. No, uh, I, I really need to get a 
a better copy of uh, their very first album than Play On, so uh, I might have to ask for that for my birthday. There you go. And then the... Make a list. The big surprise for Diamond Dave. Yeah, you were... I was, yeah, you. <laughs> this one, uh, I couldn't tell Dave because I didn't want him to uh, be unable to... Um, <laughs> do anything for the show tonight so um i know i know so we've done a lot of this and i know that they're they're really starting to beat a dead horse but uh joe elliott uh mm-hmm. revealed the band is planning to release a deluxe version a 40th anniversary deluxe version of on through the night nice oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Woo! Oh, yeah so um it was on uh, henny music uh, he told Eddie Trunk on uh, Live Nation uh, late last week, quote, we thought about this about a year and a half ago, unquote, and there's going to be a celebratory release. I don't know how much of this I can say right now. I might be breaking protocol, but I will say this much. There's a companion piece to On Through the Night. There's a brand new just mixed live performance from the Oxford Theater from 1980, which has never been heard before. Wow. They're really pushing the early stuff, and I love that. Well, it's that, about time. Yeah, man. I mean, people have been clamoring. For yes. It. It's, quote, warts and all, unquote. It's what it is. It's us live in 1980. We were discussing oh, off-mic yeah. about lip-syncing or overdubbing, but you can't expect a 59-year-old me to go in and clean up a 20-year-old vocal. Right. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. That's smart. Because yes. That's, it's solid. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I would prefer to have the historical piece untouched. Yes, than, please than don't mess else. with it. I, please don't. Oh, mess I with hate it. when they do that because it, it defeats the purpose. Yeah. In my, it just you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's that's yeah. Oh, dude, I'm pumped. I am so pumped. And it's like, it's kind of like what we were like when we were we were listening to some Peter Gabriel from uh, his Flotsman Jetsam compilation mm-hmm. uh, before we started taping the show tonight. And um, if you're a Peter Gabriel fan, which you probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really, really great stuff on there. But there's also some weird remixes when he redid some of his earlier tracks. And I got to tell you, it never is better than the original. No. It's interesting. Yeah. It's it, different. It, it may be slightly captivating, but... It's kind of a distraction. I agree. Yeah. And we said that about five or six of the songs that we're listening to. <laughs> so yeah, I know. just passing along to you, it's, it's not something that... I think you can buy it probably on Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah. just don't touch it. Leave, Leave it alone. It. Leave it. Leave Move it. on. Yeah. Record a new song. Do right. st- I, don't, I don't know. I think that's sometimes what uh, bands like U2 do too much of, mm-hmm. and not with their old stuff, but they spend too much time on one song, and by right. the time it's finished, it's a fragment of what it really should be. Exactly, yeah. When they're, they're basic, you know, just early... Tracking is perfect. Yeah. Leave the song alone. That's right. <laughs> That's my tip. I don't know. I'm not a musician, so I can't really say. <laughs> but you know what you like? Oh, I do. Like Genesis. Ow! No, but um, here's Joe talking again to Eddie. Quote, but I tell you this much, the band, as I said in the liner notes, when you peer through the curtain of uncertainty, that was my voice back in those days, there was a fantastic ba- band on stage. Mm. And the two-armed Rick Allen with Sav bassist Rick Savage, yes. was some rhythm section to come, considering he was 16 years old and Sav was 17. I think maybe 18, and Pete Willis and Steve Clark were 17 and 18 mm. years old. It was some band. So young. Yeah, oh, unquote. 
Um, Elliot's reference to the live album serving as a quote companion piece to a celebratory release of On Through the Night suggests Def Leppard is delivering the project as an expanded 40th anniversary reissue later this year. Mm. Is that uh, is that yes. good or what? Oh, that's amazing. That's great, dude. That's perfect. I was waiting for that. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I, just, I, I was. It's you, one of those things for years, like you said, clamoring. Just jumping at the bit, waiting for like. Come it on, cannot you, get enough. Those early, those early, early albums records. are just gems. Like, come, like you know, it, all the stuff that's a little more produced. Like, yep. that's great. But let's, you know, come on, come on, baby. And yep, I love it. Great stuff. It's very cool. And and number five, which uh, it's kind of hard to follow that. But uh, Jack White's label, Third Man Records, mm-hmm. uh, Nashville, they do a vault. Uh, for subscribers and if you're not a vault subscriber i highly recommend if you're a vinyl collector mm-hmm. and you're a fan of the white stripes and uh a lot of the influences and in the bands that jack likes which is like bands like sleep mm-hmm. which is a one of the best metal bands going right now mm-hmm. um they had an exclusive uh quadruple live record uh oh, yeah. came out uh, not too long ago uh the vault, vinyl vault package uh that Jack and it's very impressive because Jack's been working with artists for for years now. He's worked with Neil Young. He's mm-hmm. worked with Pearl Jam. He's worked with the Melvins. Um, he's worked with Sleep. Um, Such a prolific. He does it all. Yeah, yeah, he really does. Uh, they're introducing Volt Package number forty-five. It's Johnny Cash and Night to Remember, which wow. is a big deal because uh, there was a in nineteen seventy-three. It was like for six nights, they mm-hmm. had this uh, thing called A Week to Remember, mm-hmm. and they were concerts uh, dreamt up by music industry icon Clive Davis, mm. you know, from Arista Records and many other labels. Um, and it was a stunning way to highlight the Murderer's Row lineup of artists that were then signed to Columbia Records, which Clive was managing at the time, with highlights like Miles Davis, the staple singers Bruce Springsteen, Earth, Wind & Fire, along with many other artists, the seven nights of shows at the Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles was by all accounts a remarkable showcase of the clout of the, of the legendary label. Mm. Um, of per- particular interest from collectors is the live performance by Johnny Cash, uh, touching on just about every song one would wish for him to play at a concert in 1973. Uh, the stack set includes uh, choice guest appearances from both his wife, June Carter Cash, and fellow Sun Records alumnus, Carl Perkins. Opening with the iconic Big River through a heavy take on Chris Christopherson's Sunday Morning Coming Down. Mm -hmm. A breezy jaunt through A Boy Named Sue to Hey Porter to I Walk the Line to Jackson and Folsom Prison Blues. Um, It's wonderful how many downright pure hits were just the songs in his set. Uh, This is from a third man's press release, so Mm. I'm not going to do all the work for them, but um, the track listing is is insane uh there's 18 tracks plus medleys in there uh like hey porter Folsom prison blues wreck of the old 97 and orange blossom special uh there's a lot of tracks and uh that's going to be the vault release nice and um yeah that's awesome dude good stuff seven inch single also a forever words okay forever words yeah and rustin kelly's dark and bloody ground and top secret mystery artist so they're throwing a couple things in the kit. Uh, looking forward to that. 
Uh, the deadline for orders on this is midnight July 31st. So uh, again, uh, it's a small small price to pay for a killer subscription. And this will, will never be released anywhere else. And uh, this is the only way you'll be able to get it on vinyl, of course. So um, that's it for me, Dave. Yes! I was trying to cue that up the yes. right way. <laughs> it's not that flapper, man. <laughs> I know it's not. No, I'm no, a no, huge no. Johnny Cash fan. No, I that's had, like douche. I had to. Uh, had to I didn't want to hit them too soon. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to time it out. That was really good. And then I almost dropped the phone. So. <laughs> I dropped the phone. All right. Dropped the phone. Oh God, no! Yes, the vinyl votes. I'm closed. winning. This mask is sucking the air right out of my lungs and pushing it right back in. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm drowning whenever I'm. Uh, it, it is weird, especially it's weird. Yeah, like I've worked out with this on, and it's yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. Uh, anyway. Uh, that's pretty much the records for this week, Dave. That's it. It's a pretty good list. Very good list. Very I think we're going to top this one for a while. That's good. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to leave it up for a while. And thank you, yeah. Eddie Trunk, for getting that out of Joe Elliott. Because that made and, my oh, ear. That's huge. Yeah, that was great. That was fantastic. Hey, this is Tina McCord from Red Voodoo, and you're talking rock with Damon Shane. And I try and try to carry on. Got it. Rise Up by Red Voodoo, yes. Sacramento, California, young dudes who just love to rock and roll, produced by Frank Hannon of Tesla. These guys are just, just <laughs> the heart and soul of just that young desire to rock and roll, man. I mean, the rock and roll, the future is strong, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's like one of those songs, you, you're in your Jeep, yeah. you're driving to the beach, the top down, mm -hmm. and that song's blaring. Oh, it's Sun's out, you yeah. got your surfboard up top. Yep. That's what it, it just, so, such a fantastic track. Yeah, we talked to Dino. Frank did a great job. He did, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dino talked about just, you know, how they work with Frank and just their influences and everything. These guys love Van Halen, which is, like, yeah. so cool. <laughs> so, this is part two of our interview with Dino from Red Voodoo. Woo! You know, when you hear the stories that Frank kind of tells you and, and just kind of, you know, him taking you guys under his, um, under his wing, I mean, do you do you kind of see, I mean, are you trying, in your mind, are you seeing once things open up again, like, you know, doing that same thing? I mean, those tours and breaking into big markets and, and breaking, right. you know, international markets, all of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, we're hoping to get on a tour in 2021 with the opening act. Uh, that would be our goal, either Tesla or Great Man Fleet or Hagar or one of those, you know, just uh, right now we're really focusing on uh, writing some really cool rocking songs. Yeah. You so know, can you uh, can you tell us, are you allowed to tell us a little bit about what some of the songs that you, you guys are working on and kind of what they... I, well, I'll, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one. So cool. right now we're working on a tune called uh, KSA and it stands for Kick Some Ass. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a... It's about a, it's, it's abbreviated, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's about when when we could tour in twenty twenty one, and about just going on stage and just having all this energy and passion and just you know 
giving people a good time. Nice. Beautiful. That's so cool, man. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, we're working on a, a four-song EP. Okay. That's cool. That's a great way to start out. I, I really enjoy hearing uh, the guitar solo come back, man. That's that's a lost art. Yeah, and, for sure, man. And it's been gone for a long time. Yeah. So. No, I, tell them, and I really do believe there's going to be a, a rock and roll comeback pretty soon. A couple years. Oh, yeah. I'm crossing my fingers at we this point. We need it, man. We need it. So you were, you were saying that uh, you were talking about, you know, when you wrote... Um, rise up you, you were talking about when you write you grabbed your guitar and your notebook like can you tell us a little bit more just about that process i mean like do, do you have times i mean does it usually come to you right away or are there times when you might get stuck or is it just all of the above when you write right so you know uh with, with the writing process it's crazy you know when i just you know driving down the freeway and i just think of something or even when i'm on you know frank says man when you're out there working on the property you know just it, it comes to him when he wrote some lyrics and uh Man, I've written a couple songs out there on Frank's property just, you know, thinking about stuff and, you know, writing them down in my notes and then going home that night. But, yeah, it's either a lot of the stuff that um, ideas that I come with, come up with are usually on the acoustic or on my piano. Mm. And then I find the melody and then I, I bring it to the band and then we kind of all work it out. Or we write the music first and then, you know, I have to play catch up writing lyrics. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Is it when you're playing catch up writing lyrics? Is that I mean, do you feel pressure from like not from the guys like on purpose, but right. would you is there something in there that that makes you think, oh my gosh, you know, you're kind of working under deadline, you know? Oh, no, no, not not cool, at this cool. moment. I mean, good, with good, all yeah. this COVID stuff going on, we got all that time. That's true, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I say, man, well, I, I guess when uh, when we started busting out album stuff, yeah, yeah, I bet there'd be some pressure there, yeah. They say that songwriting, writing the lyrics is, is like the hardest part. Do you agree with that? You know, I do. To a, you know, I do. And uh, it, it helped. Like, this Rise Up song came natural to me because it's, it's, it's from a life experience, you know? Yeah. Um, I've learned, and Frank told me, that the best songs come from life experiences, mm. you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So what is, California's gone through a, a real tough time now, not to go on a bummer here, uh, but I... Like, how, how has COVID been as far as, uh, are you allowed to, what kind of stuff are you allowed to do? Because uh, I know that it's kind of been clamped down again in California, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I usually focus on music, so I don't get too much into politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you don't get to go, you, you can you go out and stuff? You, you can't eat out and stuff like that, though, can you? Uh, there's some outside dining here and there. Right. But uh, for the most part, you know, just keeping it safe. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Is Sacramento, uh, I, I'm trying to think, like, in normal times, is it kind of bustling? Or I know you said you live downtown. Is it, or are there parts that are busier than others, you know, like with the, with the little nightlife and all that? You know, downtown Sacramento is pretty busy. I, you know, I'm, I moved there in February, and it uh, wasn't the greatest timing because that's when, if I recall, that's when COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, before I lived in West Sacramento in the okay. suburbs. Mm. Oh, but, okay. Uh, uh, for, that, for that short amount of time, yeah, Sacramento was, was bumping. It was great, you know. There's people out walking around. Big nightlife. Big nightlife. Yeah, oh, that stinks. Yeah, yeah. That's we're in Philly, and it's kind of it's the same thing. It's just right. Everyone's uh, everyone's inside by nine o'clock at night, and it's just dead. Yeah. You know, that's why I wrote this song. You know, just keep everyone's spirits up during this tough time. Well, it that's, definitely yeah. does that. Yeah, man, it does. We and and uh, that's um, 
we've been watching like all these guys like you know of course Sammy in the circle the lockdown jams which yep. they do all that stuff on their cell phone which is crazy um, yeah Tesla has one too they yeah lazy day crazy nights and breaking free that was one of my favorite I saw the breaking free one uh, that's one oh, of my favorite great. songs I saw them uh, I think it was 2008 like on that album or yeah. uh, that, that year that was a great oh God, track yeah such a great song yeah yeah uh, but I was wondering like um, you know when you see like we see these guys jamming i mean are, do you, do you get ideas in terms of like uh gear or setup or sounds that you want like like do, do you think of oh. uh, are you thinking in a production sense too right you know uh, uh i watched i don't know if you guys know this uh concert you probably do but there was a van halen with sammy hagar's the 5150 tour live without a net yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh man their stage setup is is like the coolest me and my guitar player dave we we talk about it all the time, like you know, we we want those stairs that jump on and like those you know, all the and, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> oh man, that was my first. I used to rent that as a kid, like in middle school. I would rent that, and and I'm um, uh, right here, right now. Um, and I just I would watch it like every weekend. Man, it was so great. <laughs> that's, so yeah, cool. it's a great concert. New Halen, such a great. Yeah. New Halen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's cool, man. Yeah, well, I was always wondering too, as you know, an artist like you know, I mean, someone like yourself, you're getting started, you're you're writing, you're you're getting your voice, your sound together, but also like, you know, what guitars you like, or what you know, like sort of, you know, looking at what's out there and kind of getting a feel. Like I always wonder when a musician gets their feel for right. their instrument in either a brand or a style. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I guess that's know, a progress. So, so, uh, process you know, too. Dave and Dave and our uh, guitar player, you know, of course, since. Eddie Van Halen's a big influence. He plays uh, the the EVH guitar. Nice, okay. Um, uh, the Wolfgang, I think it's called. Nice. Yeah, the Wolfgang guitar. And uh, you can see in our in our in our music video, um, I'm playing uh, Frank's Love Dove. Okay. His uh, his new guitar uh, by Gibson, and uh, Drew's playing an Epiphone Thunderbird, and uh, Damon's playing an '84 Beretta Kramer. Ooh, so, nice. Uh, Serious hardware there, man. It's dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, man. I love it. It would be super cool, you know, when we're on the road, if we could get endorsements, uh, you know, down the line. It would be super cool. But, yeah, I think think Gibson Kramer area is where we're leaning towards. What's the first big uh, guitar you're going to get when you you break it big? Man, I think it's going to be a Red Explorer, I'm telling you. Those are awesome. Red Gibson Explorer right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) That's awesome. That's a great goal. Yeah. What what are you listening to now? Like uh, you know, when you're not writing, when you're not like, what do you what do you listen to? You know, yeah, you know, uh, I've been listening to a lot of like more mellower stuff, you know, because I'm, I'm a rocker and everything. But uh, you know, a lot, I'm a big fan of the Eagles. I'm okay. a big Eagles fan. Okay. And uh, I just discovered this uh, this guy named Chris Stapleton. I think it's his name. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some country guy, but uh, man, I I go all over, all over the board with just with just different types of you know '70s '80s music. Yeah. You know, I even go back to even like Sam Cooke and Otis Redding. Sweet, uh, there you go. Listen to that. Cool. Is, your, is your dad a big metal fan, or is he kind of? Oh fan? man, my dad's favorite band back in the day was Queensrÿche. And oh I'm my god, yes, <laughs> so cool. Oh yeah, Jeff Tate. You know, they got that new singer now. He's pretty good too. I hear. Yeah, yeah, Todd. Yeah. So you grew up listening to that stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All the time. I mean, That's great. Uh, vicious rumors. <laughs> Oh man, yeah we had uh, we had um, Eddie Jackson on the show uh, last year. He was talking about uh, I think they were coming through uh, the bass player. He was they yeah. were coming to um, 
Atlantic City to play some shows. And the last couple tracks or albums they did with uh, Todd um, was just they're just killer, man. It's it's a it's a lot, oh, they, yeah. it's a lot oh, like the warning, yeah. Yeah, I wish they would patch things up and just... With Jeff, I know, yeah, Ugh. I know. Because Jeff, he's doing his own thing right now, right? Right. Yeah, he, he had a couple things going. He had um, Operation Mindcrime, which was kind of an evolution of his version of Queensryche. Uh, right. They did a couple concept records, one I think called The Key, and then he, he teamed up with these guys called Sweet Oblivion. Right. I think they were uh, some Italian musicians, and he provided vocals, and they had, they had some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, I, I've been digging a lot of his stuff lately. Yeah, man, years. yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, he, he's a great singer. And uh, for my, my influence with singing, of course, I'd probably say be like, you know, Sammy Hagar, yep. even back to Sam Cooke, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Paul Rogers from Bad Company, he's a big influence as well. Oh, man, yes. Uh, David Coverdale's a great singer. Yep. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome, man. No, I, I just, I, I love it because I love these guys. And, I and you know, we try to get some of these guys on the show. And, and, and you know, when we hear, like, you know, people like you inspired by them. It just it, it just fires us up, man. It's so yeah. cool. It's awesome. You know what? Because we got to keep rock and roll alive, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's going to happen? All these guys start, you know, passing away and stuff. There's going to be, you know, no more rock and roll live shows. So there's got to be a there's gotta be a fire somewhere that uh, gets all these bands out, you know? Yeah, there's going to be brother. a big void there. And, you know. My, I mean, I have a 16-year-old, and uh, all he listens to, Dino, is rap. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, you know what? Same with my friends. I'll tell you, man. It's the same. It's the same beat. Every song, you right. know. Now I'm sitting there in the car trying not to say anything, you know. <laughs> Some of it's really good. Some of the beats yeah. are amazing. No, but... no, I totally, I totally respect, you know, all those artists and stuff. Yeah. For sure. But it just it just doesn't match the right you know. the, the grit of a guitar and, and just howling yeah, vocals and you know, yeah. I, like I said you know there's there's no soul in it there's no like you huh. know doing it yourself it's all it's all you know off a computer yeah I get them uh, I got them into Led Zeppelin Motorhead and the Ramones though so you did all right oh, there you, go. you did all right <laughs> there you go. Dad. there's a good starter pack right there <laughs> oh yeah that's cool yeah I was I was I was gonna say what are your friends listen to and it, it's got you know because I've heard it's you know, it's funny when I go into YouTube and I watch like a classic White Snake video or something like that. I'll see, I'll see people commenting. I love to read the comments while the song is playing, and you know, some of, it's the older guys who say, "Oh yeah, I saw this tour. You know, I went to this very show in '84 or whatever." And then you yeah. see guys yeah. who are younger, like 16, 17. Oh, I love this stuff. My parents got me into it, and that's when I, yeah. start, I start favoring favoriting those comments because I love that. It's like, yes, you know. And uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a, I was a lifeguard before I got all this music thing. And, uh, you know, I would talk to my coworkers. I'd say, hey, guys, you know, uh, what do you guys think of rock music? What do you, you know, when I say rock music, what do you guys think of? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's goth and depressing and, and just oh, really, man. like, hardcore, right? <laughs> and then I play in Peace of Mind by Boston. And I'm like, is this sound emo and hardcore? And they're like, what? That's rock and roll music? I said, yeah. That's awesome. I said, it's Boston. And uh, <laughs> I think, I think uh, you know, they're not really exposed if they're not exposed to it by their parents and they have you know a respect for it uh then they don't know what's out there so i think it's good to have all these younger bands like rid of and fleet dirty honey ourselves you know gt lux new artists to uh, start paving the way for the new generation well that and, and true what you just said i mean peace of mind from boston your song rise up you have the songs have meaning to them mm-hmm. you know yeah and and i think that's really lacking in music right now i really do i yeah. think there's a message but it's not a good one and on many levels right. and you guys um 
you know, if you sit down and read the lyrics to, to Peace of Mind, it, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's inspiring. I'm, I'm middle-aged, and it, it, it's the perfect middle-aged man song, you know, and he wrote it, <laughs> he wrote it, he wrote it when he was in his early 20s, you know, just very cool. Yeah, so cool. So, and I just okay. want to give a shout out right now, real fast. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Uh-uh. Now, our, 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 I don't know if you guys know about this, but our Rise Up bundle that's going on right now, um, you can get it on redvoodoo.band.com. You know, it goes towards uh, helping our healthcare heroes on the front lines, uh, the Direct Relief Foundation. And uh, included in that is our um, Rise Up limited edition t shirt. Nice. You got the four Rise Up picks, guitar picks, and uh, also an uh, um, autographed photo of us. Um, from the music video photo shoot. Dude, that's awesome. That's so cool, man. And, and tell us the website one more time. Uh, redvoodooband.com. Awesome. That's so cool. And you can see, you know, you can see interviews on there. You can see the news coming up, mm, where we are on the charts, that kind of thing. Well, I love how you're supporting the, the you know, heroes out there, man. I mean, that's really oh, cool. Course, especially in these times, yeah. man, especially. Yeah, man. That's so cool. So let, let me ask you this. Um, when when record stores open again, or like when you can go to that next record shop, what are you going for? What's going to be your first when you walk in those doors? What's the first record you're looking for? Oh man, probably probably VOA. I haven't ah yeah, yet. that's awesome. <laughs> I haven't got Voice of America yet. Yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> hey man, I think I think vinyl uh, record stores are coming back. I think I read that somewhere. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they were that, they were beating CDs and sales or something like that. Yeah, the vinyl has really taken off in the last few years, and and uh, this whole thing that's going on right now has really, really been kicking their butt. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to talk to a record store owner uh, in like an hour yep. and uh, check in with him because he's been riding this roller coaster ever since March, and it's right. just really sad that, it, that all this stuff's going on to everybody all at the same time. But... We're going to get out of this, and it's going to be better afterwards. So. Oh, yeah. Where, where, sure. where do you want to play? Like, what's your, uh, I mean, you, like, what show or venue oh, yeah, like, that's a do great you question. want to play as soon as, uh, like, as soon as this thing's over, and then what's your dream venue? Oh, man, what's my dream venue? You know, I saw this, uh, this uh, I, don't know, I don't know how you guys feel about Nickelback, but anyways, I watched the Nickelback <laughs> concert this one time, and uh, I think it was in, in Red Rocks. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that place is pretty cool. I also saw uh, Sammy Hagar on his Rock and Roll Roadshow do an interview with Billy Gibbons there. Oh, that's cool. That was pretty cool, too. But, yeah, super cool venue. Do you know, I lived in in Denver for about 10 years, and I got to tell you, it it is the greatest venue in our country. It really is. That's awesome. Just a natural um, amphitheater. It's all rocks. They didn't really do anything other than put some seats in Mm -hmm. and the the stage at the bottom. And you can see the entire city – and the planes, you know, right behind the stage. And at night, it's just, it's mind-blowing. That's amazing. <laughs> I was thinking but, YouTube but concert. I, but if I really have to be honest, I mean, anywhere that's a, that's a bigger stage than what I've played on before would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you will. You oh, will. hell yeah, man. It's it, totally. You're going to put but, Sacramento uh, on the map again, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. Do you, uh, um, are there, like... Uh, bands up your way are you guys tight with you know tight with kind of the scene down in la or the bay area or is it just kind of a different like like are you familiar familiar with guys down there or is it just totally different um you know i mean we're starting to get tight with some people you know there's a band called the darby's down in la yep. that we met at one of our uh, holy diver shows mm-hmm. um we opened up for i think they were touring with uh uh 
um, like, oh, enough's enough. Okay. That's the they're touring with. Okay. Right. And, uh, but that's really the only one that we have, like, a little connection with, um, you know, and I bet we would have more connections if, you know, things were opened up and, yeah. you know, everything was normal as usual. Yeah, it'll happen. I know, I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be so tough. You, you gotta be patient, but at the same time, you know, you got something here and mm-hmm. you just can't wait to get started. Hey, we're hoping, we're hoping that, you know, we, we get this EP going on and we just build our foundation, build our band. And when 2021 hits, there'll be so much anticipation from all the songs that they'll want to come see us live. And I'll tell you, uh, our live show, you know, um, playing in the NorCal scene, I mean, we're off the chain, man. We're like life without a net. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so cool, man. I love that. Well, you, your drummer's got to get, does your drummer have some of the electronic drums too? Like a mixture of like uh, like uh, Ludwig acoustic drums and then some of the, you know, the electri- electronic rototoms or uh, t- uh, tom-toms? Yeah, he got some rototoms. He has a rototoms. Nice. You know, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I, I got to get him on that. I was always thinking about the life without a net setup. It's like, man, Alex's kit was, right. it's always huge. But it's like he's got those electronic pads for for the toms, right. you know. It's 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 cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool. You know, we have like the the Van Halen vocals, and then you know, yeah. I, I have like the vocals of, of the Hagar uh, influence. Yeah. But uh, Nick, you know, he he's he's a really big Neil Peart fan. Okay. So uh, he brings like a whole new element with the band, you know, oh. uh, with with the how he uses the hi hats and the cymbals. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome, dude. What's next for you guys right now? I mean, are you still, I guess, still writing and just uh, kind of hanging oh, yeah. out? Yeah. Okay. No, no, we're, we're hard at work, man. I'll tell you. Man, we had a we had a six-hour band practice yesterday working on some new tunes. So uh, we're uh, soon we'll be ready to deliver. So are you doing landscaping by day and, and, and recording by night, or you take it one day off or back and forth, or how's that work? Well, uh, we flip it. You know, we kind of do a Monday-Wednesday schedule. We got our band practice, and then we go to... Uh, you know, our landscaping at Frank's, and then we kind of review what we did at band practice, and, and we work on that together. Nice. That's sweet, really, man, yeah. No, it's a, it's a really good routine, and it's uh, it's just nice to get away from it all, you know? It's like in your own world, just working on your music. Yeah. yeah. That's a special thing. Like, you know, being creative is... There's nothing like being creative. Like, whatever someone does, you know, that that's creative, whether it's painting or whatever, you know, just that, that right. process. There's nothing like it. Like, it's yours. What you make is yours. Right. That's awesome. That's I love it, man. Cool. Well, you know, man, I, we're really excited. Your attitude is amazing. You guys are going to go you. far. <laughs> we love that track. I mean, we're just happy to have you guys on here, man. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you for the great interview. from Woo! Red Voodoo, Rise Up, these guys out of Sacramento, they're just, they're teenagers, and I think one of the guys is a little older, but just so cool, man. I got blisters on my fingers. Oh, <laughs> Ringo. From, from air drumming to that track now. It's a, I like the, I guess it would be the coda there. Yeah. It's the, like three quarters of the way I think that's what it is. I always forget my musical starts, terms, but. He starts uh, just wailing, and it's just it's yeah. my favorite part of the song. I almost wish there was a song just with that. I know, and I wish there was a stadium. These guys, you know, yeah. that song, these guys are so good. They're going to fill it when everything gets back to normal. 
and they do their thing, you yeah. know, whatever they get, like big, that's going to be a song, <laughs> that's going to be a stadium song, yeah. and you're going to have the lighters or the fire on your phone, whatever, or the, if, the glow, if, if, that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a, a lighter song, right? 1987, 1988, that song oh. would have been a number one hit, oh, uh, I really mean that, um, Yes, it's a very strong track, um, congratulations guys, and uh, great job Frank with the band again, yeah. I, I gotta say it, and we'd love yep. to talk to Frank. Yes, yeah, we're working thing. on that. Yeah, absolutely. And we are definitely working on that. We're also yeah. working on some other stuff. Uh, Rick Emmett. Rick, yeah, that's right. Rick Emmett uh, is uh, re-releasing some of his uh, solo stuff. Uh, we'll talk with him about that and Triumph and everything. Yes. Super excited for that. That's next week. Can't wait to talk to him about his uh, double-necked guitar. Yes, oh yeah. Which, uh, he, he was one of the few guitarists uh, in the 70s and early 80s that uh, played mm -hmm. a double neck. And, Very uh, proggy. Rick, Rick's one of the best guitarists out there, man. Yeah. It's, it's a great singer, too. I mean, and, to do uh, both. and Yeah, yeah, and uh, just love to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I, yeah. I, I know he left Triumph in, what, 1988? Yep, about that, yep. And, uh, the 80s, yeah. Yeah, so... Rick Emmett, baby. Yeah, that's good. Did I just jinx the Rick Emmett interview by no. saying this? But well, no, it's scheduled. <laughs> no, you didn't. It's scheduled. That's yeah. a, we always very, try to wait a little bit. Yeah, very excited. About was, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Triumph was big. Yes, in oh, my man. house when I was a kid. Same here. I mean, growing up in you know Detroit. I mean, you know the the rock. We had rock stations from Canada. Yeah. And so they played a lot of Canadian rock, and, and of course Triumph was just you know I mean oh man yeah. you can't go wrong with that you know. And so we're fighting the good fight, ladies and gentlemen. Another Canadian three piece. That's right. Woo! All right. So, we, man, we, we covered a lot of ground. Many thanks to Steve, Steve Hackett. Yes. A wonderful gentleman. The book, uh, A Genesis in My Bed. What a great read. And, um, oh, man, just, and Dino, uh, just a fun show. The shows yeah. are just, you know, we're having more and more fun, yeah. and uh, they're more and more jam-packed. I hope you're enjoying them. Yeah, we thank you. There are listeners all over the world and the nations. <laughs> Keep emailing, writing, and sending us letters, notes, whatever. Yeah. Uh, requests. Yeah, God bless everybody. Take care, right. stay safe, wear a mask, be that's, cool. That's it. Turn your face.